is chilling. True. And that's why I just tightened up my head. I didn't feel what I had to face what I had done ever. He killed 33 times. I'm a king, man. I decide who does what and where they do it at. Okay, so next time you see me. It's the most annoying beginning of an episode of a podcast ever. You're crunching on one side, and I'm singing a song from uh, what I heard on Jackass. Let's do it. Yeah, okay. Are you ready to clap? Let's clap before we forget to do it. Clap. Already one, two, three. Oh, I did that really close to my face. I felt like okay. I didn't hit my hand um, No, it's fine. It'll, I'll, I'll, I'll see it in the thing. Okay. So welcome back, everybody. Um, this is The Chilling Truth. I am Corey, and I'm looking at Johnny in literally the same clothes he was wearing last week when we recorded. Hello. They've been washed since. I don't know if I've been washed that much since, but the, the shirt was clean. It's just a holy shirt I wear around the house. But I, I probably haven't showered since Thursday, dude. That's not that bad. It's a few days. You're brushing your teeth, though, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm doing the essentials. I'm putting the, deodorant on, brushing yeah. your teeth, eating Cheez-Its off a napkin. Yeah. Yeah, I sound like a slob, would you say it that way? <laughs> you haven't showered since Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Crunching into the microphone. You know, I mean, life in quarantine, isn't that what we're all doing? Not showering and just, you know, living in our own filth. No, I was doing that before quarantine. I'm a pioneer of not showering. Yeah, all right, man. At least you're drinking water. Oh, no, I'm staying hydrated, you know. That, That's that good. Healthy living is still continuing. It's just healthy hygiene, not so much. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. So the reason that this episode is a couple days late is because, unfortunately, you guys, I was, uh, last Friday, I went and got tested for COVID-19, and I actually tested positive for it. So we've been dealing with that over here. Uh, Johnny's been checking on me, like, twice a week. So he called me a couple times. Yeah, a couple times. I you as much as I probably should, but... As much as a friend should, I'd say. I figured if you were about to die, you'd let me know, you know? Yeah, because i got to get you to get Ariana Grande to play my funeral. Yeah, well, you know, that's... That's That's the plan, at least. I think she So Johnny and I, we came up up with a plot earlier to get his funeral paid for by Ariana Grande. So what he would do is if he ever commits suicide, and he's only going if. to do it. He's going to do it to an Ariana Grande song, so that way that they'll think he's a huge fan. They'll notify her. She'll pay for the funeral and hopefully perform. Right? You want her to also perform. Well, all expenses paid for and a live performance for the friends and family that show up to my service. She, absolutely, yeah, it'd be great if she could just yeah. like, fit the whole bill. Because you're going to mega blast your head away. I mean, you know, it would have to be a cl- it would be a close cast casket. Casket, casket. You said cactus earlier too when we were talking about. (laughs) Yeah, I live in Arizona, so ca is cactus. It always ends cactus. Not Uh, cat, not. No, um, yeah, a a ridiculous scenario, but yeah, I would just. A funny one. Yeah, I mean it was, but. Yeah, it's less funny now. Yeah, well now I'm, you know, trying to explain it to someone who who's first heard. Oh. 
suicide. It's like now it's no longer funny. Yeah, it's hard to like breeze past that. Yeah. Very crucial like, part of the story. Someone's gonna say, to "Well, I, I don't think suicide's funny." It's like I don't think suicide's funny either. I just, I would. It was just a ridiculous ploy to get Ariana Grande to perform my my funeral. Really. But you not you killing yourself isn't the funny part. The funny part is what no. happens after you kill yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hopefully people forget about the tragedy that happened because <laughs> and we learned... Grande's performance was just so fucking great, you know. Hopefully, hopefully they forget about the tragedy. We all just learned to laugh again, you know, right. about, about the fact that Ariana Grande paid for your funeral and you don't even like her. Well, that's the thing. I don't think the majority of people that I probably spend my time with probably don't know a, a lick of. Like, I can't tell you a single Ariana Grande song. I don't. I could tell Unfortunately, you. Unfortunately, I can because of my wife. She likes Ariana. Right, right, right. Well, she says it's you, so I'm not really sure which one to believe. But I, I would just, I, I could just imagine her performing at my funeral service, and no one knows the words. Like, so it's like it's hard to confusing. have a good time. You know, people don't have a good time listening to people they don't know. But you also feel pressure to have a good time. Well, yeah. Well, you're going to have to because it's going to be like I, I would like a full concert. Like I want Ariana Grande to play like an entire set. Yeah. You know? That would be nice. Maybe an opener, well, you know? Maybe. Like who? Fuck, I don't know. Who Shawn Mendes? Was <laughs> <laughs> he a singer? I don't, I don't know who that is. Or an actor? I don't know. I'll open up for you. I'll go up there and rattle off some jokes, you know. Get the yeah, crowd yeah, really some knock knock jokes. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, I'll just go up there and be like, so suicide, huh? <laughs> uh, I'll have what he's having. Just like jokes that don't make any just sense. Terrible jokes just that aren't funny. <laughs> so about airline food, uh, makes you want to blow your head off, right, Johnny? And then I'll look back at your casket where your fucking corpse is at. Right, right. It'd be funny. It'd be funny. Yeah, as you're uh, awkwardly clearing your throat in between each shitty joke. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, you guys can laugh, right? I'll say that. Because that really makes people want to laugh at your stand-up jokes. Well, let's say that they're miserable and it's hard to get through your act. But then once you say, like, hey, Ariana Grande is coming. Like, then people are pumped. Like, everybody gets excited. Yeah, but then I'm not. Then I'll be sad. Right. I think we've rambled enough. We're about six minutes in now. I think we've gone yeah, on long go. enough No one cares. This. Let's go. Yeah, okay, so we're going to talk about a guy, again, Mr. Wesley Allen Dodd, who uh, finally, finally we're going to get some justice out of this episode, guys. So it won't be nearly as sad as the last few episodes were. It will be much, much better. So I'm going to start this off, uh, the story of this him getting caught and everything, with a quote from Lieutenant C.W. Jensen, who was the, um, the lead detective on the case. <clears throat> he says... I don't think there's been another case where I was so emotionally tied to a victim and so badly wanted to catch somebody. Even when you are asleep, the case is overwhelming here. Nothing compared to working this case. If somebody said, I can erase this from your memory, I'd say, put it on me, I take it. This case made me cry a whole lot of times. 40 murders I've probably done by that day. I can't tell you what, I can't tell you what the second most horrible thing was. I mean, there was no contender. It was the worst thing I ever had to do. And this is coming from the guy who Wesley Allen Dodd confessed to. So in, he was, like, sitting with him when he was saying, like, I did this and this. And you guys know what he did. I'm not going to go through it again. Yeah, you were there. So, and, yeah, so Jensen had some pretty severe PTSD from this case. And he actually retired uh, a little bit later. So, yeah, he was a seasoned detective on the force in Washington. 
having done about 30, 40, 40 more, 40 more, we did about 30 murders. Yeah, having done about 40 murders by this point, and he claims that, yeah, this was the worst case he's ever worked on. So Lee was missing for three days before his body was actually found, and when it was found, his body looked like it was laid out like a cross. And this led some police to think they were dealing with some type of occult practice. Jensen, however, dismissed this claim. Uh, and so, because whenever like they showed up, the body was laid out, and then another police officer was like, oh, maybe we're dealing with, like, a satanic cult or something, and Jensen was basically like, nah, dude, just shut the fuck up. Like, let me do this. You're a beat cop. Get out of my fucking jurisdiction. So while Jensen was looking over the case, he realized the two other boys had been murdered in a park near where Lee's body was found, and that was the Near Brothers. So he surmised that the two cases are connected, given all three victims had ligature marks, similar ligature marks on them. The Near Brothers were bound with shoelaces, and Lee was bound with rope. But the M.E., however, said the ligatures were different, so his theory was that it was two different killers. And as we all know here, that's not true at all. And also in another, in another town, or I don't know if it was another town or if it was just another police station, but they had someone in custody for the Near Brothers murder. So they had an innocent man in custody. Right. And that was the, the other detective who, <clears throat> because Jensen went and talked to this other detective, and he's like, "Hey, man, like, I think the cases are connected. I, th the, you know, this is how they're similar. This is what happened." And then he's like, "No, we already have somebody in custody. I have my guy. Go get your guy." And and then they said that there's no way the same guy killed Lee because he's already in custody. And it's like, yeah, but maybe you just have the wrong fucking guy. But they just were, you know, stubborn and they didn't want to hear it. Well, yeah. He said, shut up, Jensen. This is my jurisdiction. And he had a coffee cup in his hand. Yeah, it said, world's greatest cop on it. Well, yeah, world's greatest cack is more like it. Greatest cack. What was it? was a cack? No, like a cock. Like a penis. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it's somewhat of a dead end. Detective C.W. Jensen talked to Justin, who was Lee's brother. And Justin told Jensen that they were playing in the park, and a man came up to Lee and was talking to him. And then they even went down to the station, and Justin got with a sketch artist. And then Jensen was also able to get footage from an ATM camera at the bank across the street from where the boys were playing. But because if you remember, this is like way before cameras were all over the place like they are now. Like at this point, ATM cameras were really the only ones that were recording around the clock, like constantly recording. And so he used that. <clears throat> he used that to his advantage. I don't know how. Let's let's try to imagine the quality of film at this time. Oh no, it was like I don't know, like a frame per second or something. I don't know how frames work. It's just really bad. And each frame was probably extremely pixelated, dude. Yeah, it wasn't very good. On the in the the the, the show that I watched, Real Detective, they they were talking about it and they showed the footage and it was like it was like because you could see him like running across the screen, but it was like he was like. You know what I mean? It wasn't like this wonderful video that I have here where I'm looking at you. Not pixelated at all. <clears throat> so, yeah, so the ATM was the only one that was filming, or that was constantly filming. However, the boy that they saw run across the screen could not have been Lee because the video was timestamped at 11.44, but Lee wasn't at the park until around 1.45. Oh, damn. But there was a suspect, though. 
the man Justin mentioned before. So whenever Jensen talked to Justin, Justin had told him a man came up and talked to him to talk to Lee while Justin was across the, the playground and ended up doing, you know, whatever the fuck else kids do. So a man was walking a German, a German shepherd driving a green pickup truck and was seen talking to Lee. And according to Justin's story, he ran over, told Lee not to talk to strangers, and then ran back to where he was playing. So, I mean, why would you not remove, not to victim blame, why would you not remove your brother from the <laughs> well, creepy man you know, that's talking to him? I mean, Kids are weird. Well, no, he knew, how, he knew what you were supposed to do or not do, but, you know. He's just you should kid. have taken your brother with you. Yeah, well. <clears throat> so, turns out, though, uh, Justin was not telling the truth, and he only told he only told Jensen with all this stuff because he felt guilty about his brother being taken. But there was the man in the green pickup. So the man in the green pickup was Thomas Allen Jones. And then Jensen went over to Jones's home and spoke with him. Jones claimed he was at the park for around 20 minutes walking his dog, and when he left, he went to his brother's house for a party. When questioned further by Jensen, Jones seemed to be tripped up when he asked where his brother lived. And how long he was at the party. <clears throat> said, ha there was no party. Yeah, exactly. Well, there was a party, but anyway, no. so. Jensen did a little further digging into Jones, and turns out Jones had a history of abusing young boys, which he did not mention to, or Jones had a history of abusing young boys, which he did not mention to Jensen. Of course not. Because why the fuck would he? <laughs> yeah. But how many pedophiles are in this fucking town, man? Well, I'm sure... Can't throw a fucking rock. The janitor, Don, and now this guy. Man, I was told yeah, there's man. a registered sex offender living near me. Really? Yeah. I, I didn't want to ask which house it was, because... Like, yeah. in your neighborhood? Like, in your, like, complex? Yeah, yeah. Dude. We're everywhere, dude. You look in you your neighborhood, they're there. what he did. There's one, like, a few streets over, but I don't think it says what they did, actually. Dude, yeah, I don't know what the me. charge is, but... Because you could become a registered sex offender for, like, pissing in public or something. Right, like right, right. Level two. I think SNL did a nice skit about it one time, but, uh, yeah, there's, like, low risk or, le- what I call, like, non-violent offenders. Is, yeah, like, public indecency or, like, streaking or, like, shit that'll... Yeah, you have to register for things like that. That's crazy, man. Yeah. At least there's, like, a separation where they're not on the same level as, like, someone like Dodd. I guess, but as soon as you say that you're registered, does anybody really care what for? You're like, oh, that dude's registered. Yeah, I mean, you're still going to show up on the website regardless. Right. You're still a red dot on the map. (laughs) Yeah, your house is still marked for fucking arson. Yeah, if I got to call the government every time I move. Dude, I'd be pissed. Well, I mean, don't piss in public. That's that's the takeaway from here. Don't piss in public. I I grew up in the country, dude. You know, I'm not saying it's right, but... Peeing outside was something that we all did growing up. So like, no, you don't pee in public. Just pee your pants. It's okay to pee outside, but <clears throat> next, you know, I mean, you know, one thing leads to another, and then you're pissing in what you think is a dark alley or a, you know, a vacant corner of a parking lot, and then a cop rolls up and wants to write you a ticket for peeing in public. Yeah, see, I was raised in the country, too, so if you need, you need to go and you're outside, you just fucking go. But you got these big city folk, can't handle a little penis flapping around in the wind while I'm trying to pee. I try to take my freedoms. Yeah, man, try to, they're coming for your guns. You better be careful. Better watch your back. Better watch your guns. <laughs> Lock them up. 
So uh, when Jensen was standing on the porch of Lee's funeral home, he Jones was seen walking towards the house. Or not the funeral home. They were doing like the wake or whatever, like at uh, Lee's house. So Jones was seen walking towards the house, which would be a way of the killer. If he were the killer, it would be a way of him injecting himself into the investigation and the family, which killers are very known to do. But we all know Jones wasn't the killer. But Jensen did not know that at the time. So Jensen chased him down, tackled him, and arrested him for questioning. So at the station, Jensen questioned why Jones was at the funeral in the first place and why he was caught snooping around where the Near Brothers were murdered. Jones told Jensen he wanted to help with the crimes and the Near, Near Brothers and Lee's case. And around this time in the questioning, another detective comes in and calls Jensen out of the room. Turns out the bank footage timestamp was two hours behind. So where it said 11.44, it was actually 1.44, oh. the exact time that Lee was at the park. Wow. And the boy seen running across was, in fact, Lee. And a car was seen pulling up to Lee, and so Jensen now had his first actual lead, which will help him later on, obviously. So one night, while Jensen is at home, he gets a call from a detective. They've arrested a man a man named Wesley Allen Dodge for attempted kidnapping of a six-year-old at a movie theater. So now we're going to back up. We're going to rewind, and we're going to tell Dodd's side again. So Dodd had reached the point of no return by now, his homicidal urges pushing him beyond all rational control. So now we're on to Incident 3. So Dodd knows how the next one will die. He knows, he want, he knows what he did with Lee. He liked it. He liked that it, he had time, he wasn't rushed, and everything like that. So he wanted the, beat, the victim to be tied for a photo the same as Lee was. Then, when finished, he'll be tied, quote, just one more time for another picture, but with a bag on his head this time. A plastic bag will be put over him and secured about the neck after he fellates the child. Uh, it's going to get a little blue here again, just so you guys know. It's not as bad as the last few episodes, but it does get... A little, a little rough here in a minute. So, <clears throat> as he suffocates to death, he wants to keep performing the oral sex on the kid. Uh, he says he learned with Lee, after they, after they're dead, they, uh, they don't stay erect. Which, um, I guess is, I mean, that's not knowledge that I really need. So Friday, November tenth, nineteen eighty nine. Uh, he changes his mind, or I guess just gives himself another option. He says, gives himself another option. He says he'll be tied down as Lee was in Incident 2. Instead of the bag, though, he'll tape the mouth shut with duct tape. Then when he's ready, he'll use a clothespin or something to plug the nose. That way he can sit back, take pictures, and watch him die instead of concentrating on his hands or the rope tied around his neck. That would also eliminate the rope burns on his, leg, on his neck as Lee had too. And he also said that he thinks this is a better plan because the plastic bag, uh, without the plastic bag, he can clearly see the face and eyes now as he uh, dies. Pretty sick stuff, man. It kind of reminds me of BTK when he killed the Otero family and the little boy was suffocating and there was like chair marks on the floor where BTK just sat and like watched this kid die. It's crazy how... This is quickly escalated into 
how much he wants to be a part of what's going on. Because remember in the beginning, he was afraid of it. Like, he would do something, see how real the uh, the consequences are, and then it would freak him out. But now he's... No, he's all in now. Yeah, like, now he's, like, taking... He's just trying to, like, savor every bit of it. Was that me or you? Uh, I think that was you. I don't know. Everything's muted, dude. Maybe, I mean, my phone... I don't. That's not my text tone, so I don't know. Oh, I guess now I'm on. I thought I muted it earlier. Huh. It's whatever though. <clears throat> so, so as yeah. also as a yeah as a side note, dot adds electrocution also a means for a quick death. I don't think that's true though. I think electrocution takes a takes a bit, doesn't it? If you don't know what you're doing. I mean, you can't just fucking put battery cables on a person and like kill them quickly. You know, like it's it's. Gonna, I mean, that's not like he has an electric chair in his fucking house. You know, he's not going to just, like, pull the fucking lever and, you know, well, I mean, sponge even, on their head. Even then, I don't... Yeah, well, I, the only thing I know about the electric, electric chair is what I've learned from the Green Mile. So, I don't know. I feel like there's a complicated way to do it. Oh, man, it's so sad when they kill the Cajun guy with the little mouse. Oh, yeah, when he put the dry sponge on his head. Ah, the fucking asshole guard. Yeah, oh, my God, right. yeah. What was his name? Percy? Poisey. Fucking Poisey. Yeah. I like the Cajun guy, though. Well, I like how he talks. My Uncle Ronnie talks like that. Well, do, have you ever seen... Oh, okay, I know this is elementary as fuck. You got kids. Have you ever watched Elmo's World? No, we're not to that point yet. And thank fuck we're not. Okay, well, when you get there, <clears throat> he's not there any, that anymore. And that guy might be dead. I don't know. I could be wrong. But you know who did Elmo's voice? I'm pretty sure he's dead. No, he didn't do Elmo's voice. There's a segment during Elmo's World called Mr. Noodle. And he's... Mr. Noodle. He's kind of like uh, uh, Charlie Chaplin. Cha Charlie Chapman. Or Charlie, Charlie Chap Chaplin. Chaplin. Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. yeah the Charlie guy with Chaplin. The hit yeah, yeah, silent dude. He's kind of like that, where if, like, the lesson of the day is, like, learning how to tie your shoes, he, like, lifts up, Elmo lifts up this curtain, and it's Mr. Noodle, and he's like, hey, Mr. Noodle, you know, and Mr. Noodle's, like, <laughs> he's, like, acting like he doesn't know how to tie, or, like, how, he's being silly with it, and then he shows you mm -hmm. how to tie a shoe. <coughs> anyway, the point they is, electrocute this, him in the electric chair at the end of the episode? Well, that guy is Mr. Noodle. It's the same dude. The Cajun guy? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, but I think That's it's really a different cool. Mr. Noodle now. But for a long time, for many years, the Cajun guy from Green Mile was Mr. Noodle on Elmo's World. That's cool for a little fun fact we have now. Yeah. Thank you. And the awesome. more you know. Yeah. So Saturday, November 11th, 1989, 7.30 p.m. to 10 p.m. Dodd goes to the movie The Bear, which I've never heard of that fucking movie before. But he doesn't go to see the movie. He goes to try and find a lone boy in the bathroom. He talked to a seven to eight year old. The boy insisted no, and Dodd said, "Okay, wait here, I'll leave." Then he changed his mind and said, "No, you're coming with me." But luckily for the child, Dodd finally decided he couldn't get him out quietly. But at one point, almost punched him to knock the wind out of him. But he was too big to carry out, pretending his little boy was sick. Uh, and then Dodd quickly left the theater. The fact that he was going to punch this kid in the stomach to knock the wind out of him to carry him out really shows, like, how unhinged and how fucking desperate he is oh, yeah. to find another victim. Like, it's scary, dude. Like, really scary. Well, I mean, like you said in part, part 
one and two. It's listening to how he would go to these public areas, these public <coughs> parks, see multiple boys, and then strategically figure out how he's going to split them all up. Yeah, it's like it's crazy. crazy, man. It's really crazy. So Sunday, November 12, 1989, 5 to 7 p.m., he drove around town looking for kids. He went to Camus Theater to watch Honey, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. There was only one boy at the 9 p.m. show, about 8 to 9 years old, but didn't have to use the bathroom. So is he going However, to the same theater was... every time? No, this is a different theater. Okay. This is the theater he ends up getting caught at, though. Okay. So not he doesn't get caught this time, but this is the, the, the same theater. So right. about eight or about eight to nine year old, but didn't ha- didn't have to use the bathroom anyway. So, however, there were several four to seven or eight year old boys that left the seven p.m. showing. So he says he'll try the seven p.m. show tomorrow. Monday, November thirteenth, nineteen eighty nine, four forty p.m. This is how Dodd wrote it. Have updated log entries. Will now prepare ropes as I had for incident number two, tied to bed and hidden under it to use on victim as soon as wanted or needed needing only to tie loose rope ends to the victim other ends already attached to bed or his quote rack which we talked about before his little torture rack that he was building right he now asks satan to guide him once again and provide or help him obtain a boy tonight and that was he's not gonna do it man satan's not gonna help you get child i'm sorry he's just he's not gonna do it so this one he says he'd like to keep a while keeping him awake all night each night so he'll sleep all day while he's at work here he also starts to try and find other ways to deceive people about who the victim is uh, like saying like it's his like cousin or like his little brother or some bullshit like that Uh, he may only keep him two or three days or even longer if it works out He'd give him a haircut and buy a new set of clothes for him to change his appearance uh, in case he takes him out as he did with Lee. He might even get two boys, I guess, if one boy was taking a younger boy to the bathroom at the theater, I guess would be his way of doing that. Right. Uh, Dodd says in this case, in the case of two like this, the older would decide which has to die. He said he doesn't know now if the survivor would die or be used to help get another boy home. He said he will have to wait and see. He also wants to do his medical experiments this time once done with sexual play on the bodies. Uh, Also hoping for more better pictures. So he's fully off the fucking rails now. Just completely lose. Like he's thinking about taking two kids at once. Like he's, he's losing it, man. But thankfully, 5.25 p.m. on that same day, he wrote in his journal, now going to Camus, we'll check out local parks before the movie, and thank fucking Satan. This is where the entry stopped, because he finally got fucking caught. So he tried to take a child out of the theater, and he actually got the child outside, but the kid was screaming his fucking head off, and but bolted for his car when witnesses collected in the lobby. Less than two blocks from the theater, his car broke down and Dodd was captured by the boyfriend of his latest victim's mother, and he was held until police arrived and took him into custody. I mean, if you're going to have a getaway car, you need to make sure it's fucking reliable. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want a hunk of junk trying to get you from your fucking crimes. Well, thankfully he had a shitbox, so... Yeah, thank fuck he had a fucking shitbox. 
So five minutes with the FBI's computer network told investigators they had an actual perverted predator on their hands because if you know, if you remember, Dodd's been caught doing shit before, so he's in the system, he's registered and everything. So immediately suspected in the recent murders, Dodd at first denied involvement, objecting that he loves children, but his mood changed as the night wore on and confessed to the crimes in detail, directing police to his stash of manuscripts and photographs. After his confession, Jensen told him he didn't want to see Dodd again and had someone else take him away. We didn't say it, but Dodd confessed. Uh, yeah, well, we did say it earlier. He confessed yeah. to Jensen, so he did have to sit there and listen to every single detail right. of this dude's fucking crimes. So in the home, they found Dodd's already built torture rack in the closet. They found his briefcase filled with child porn, the photos he took of Lee's body, and the pair of underwear that Lee was wearing at the time of the abduction. And, I mean, after that, the rest was really easy with Dodd's guilty plea to all charges in 1990, clearing the way for a death sentence. Since six months later, they really wanted to fucking kill this dude. Oh, Some people yeah, stand death row for fucking 30 years. Oh, yeah. They were like, let's get this dude yeah, off the fucking, fucking planet. Yeah, expedite this motherfucker. Right. So Dodd resisted all appeals and mounted the gallows at Walla Walla State Prison shortly after midnight on January 5th, 1993. And he was the first American inmate hanged since 1965. And thank fucking God he was hung. I'm so glad this dude is dead. Yeah. I'm so glad we're done talking about him. Yeah. Good riddance. Yeah, dude. Thank fuck. I want to piss on his fucking grave. They probably didn't even give him a grave. Hopefully they just threw his body in a fucking river. He probably has one, but they probably didn't disclose the location of the public. I don't know. I'm going to Google uh, it. He's not the type, like, oh, when they found Ed Gein's grave, they, like, took chunks of his headstone and shit. Like, no, this dude, people would be taking shits on his headstone. Actually, more than likely, he was probably cremated. I doubt he was actually buried. Cremated. Ashes were given to family or friend. Who the fuck would want them? Um, I don't know. I don't know, man. If my child turned out to be like that, I don't... Fuck, man. I mean, you're supposed to love your kid no matter what, but I don't know if you could love your kid through that. I mean, Jeffrey Dahmer's dad stood by him until the fucking very end, so... Yeah. But he also wasn't a child murderer. Well, technically, I guess he was. He did kill that, like, 15-year-old. Anyways, though. So that's Wesley Allen Dodd. I know this episode was a little shorter. There was a there was justice though, nonetheless. So I am glad for that. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, if anyone is interested on how I'm doing with COVID, I don't have any more symptoms. I'm getting over it. I got tested again on Thursday. I'm mm. ooh, waiting for the results to come back, and we'll see what happens. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at How the Dad's Chill. You can follow Johnny at jo- Johnny Two Jokes. You can follow the show at the Chilling Truth Podcast. Please go leave us a review on iTunes. And we will be back next week with... Should we tell him? Yeah, dude, tell him. We'll be back with Bigfoot, the yeah, Sasquatch, the Sam Squanch, if you watch Sam Squanch. <laughs> yeah, man, fucking Sam Squanch. Yeah, we'll be back next week with the, with the big hairy boy, big, uh, big hairy boy, fucking Bigfoot. So uh, be sure to come back and check that out, and we will catch you guys on the flippity flip. Later. Later.